Welcome to the first instalment in our Essential ESG podcast, which is coming to you from the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. In this series, we'll be providing deep dives into topical issues in the evolving landscape of ESG in Australia and beyond. I'm Phoebe Winpope, Head of Responsible Business at ESG at CORS, and my co-host today is my colleague, Kate Gilherdman, a Senior Counsel in our Responsible Business and ESG group. Hi, Kate. Hi, Phoebe. As most of our listeners are probably aware, in the last few years, ESG has become the hot topic dominating the market and the media. Today, we're going to set the scene for this podcast series and discuss the almost perfect storm of social, economic and political developments that have contributed to this meteoric rise of ESG. We'll also look at why it is necessary for organisations, big and small, to understand the issues, manage the risks and take hold of the opportunities. Suppose getting back to basics for a moment, Phoebe, what do we mean by ESG? ESG is an umbrella term about the environmental, social and governance issues that impact on a business. It comes from a long line of sustainability and responsible business initiatives, including things like the triple bottom line and and the concept of corporate social responsibility. But there is a distinguishing feature about ESG because it's not only about addressing the risks that your business may face from climate change and, you know, those that might be things like stranded assets and so on, or from human rights or social impacts. So we talk a, a lot about risks of modern slavery at the moment with the Modern Slavery Act and the and required mandatory reporting. But ESG is also about being a responsible business and where possible thinking about how your business impacts on the environment and on people. So we're thinking more and more about how to build um, and put forward renewable energy and resources, build strong and engaged workforces, have committed customers, not by profiting from the environment and from people, but by profiting them, by benefiting them and making a positive contribution. And this goes back to much of what has been said and written about businesses with a higher purpose and that purpose can be linked to profit. So where businesses are thinking about their place in the world and what they can contribute to the world, they've been shown to be more sustainable, more productive and often more profitable. Some of this is an acknowledgement that we're moving from shareholder capitalism to stakeholder capitalism and there's a whole range of stakeholders in every organisation that should be considered in the organisation's operations and also in their supply chains. And it means that it's critically important for organisations to be thinking about their ESG impacts and opportunities and to really be embedding that into their strategy going forward. Well, there have definitely been a a few key trends that have built on this idea over the last couple of years. So we've had the Me Too movement, Black Lives Matter. We had COP26 last year and the IPCC's reports on climate change. So I guess that's the broader context. And then when we look at markets specifically, um, we are seeing things like regulators, investors and lenders insisting on greater transparency and leadership on ESG issues. And in particular, we've also seen the strength of an ESG program is often um, being seen as a good proxy for management. We've got our consumers um, who are becoming more socially conscious and aware 
um, who are more inclined to vote with their wallet, so to speak. So businesses really do have to rethink their purpose, their products and their workforce practices and coming back to looking at, you know, the holistic approach to purpose and profit. We've also got quite a bit of shareholder activism going on in Australia, rallying for net zero policies and pushing companies to adopt transition plans and I suppose holding the board to account on those. So there's definitely a move towards more robust management of climate-related financial risks across the short, medium and long-term horizons. The question of this focus on climate and the move to uh, net zero by 2050 and and a lot of pressure on organisations to bring their carbon reductions down very quickly over the next 10 years has been a real focus, hasn't it, for lots of organisations? Yeah, I agree with that, Phoebe. And I think now we're starting to see, I suppose, the governance aspect be imposed across the E and the S together, whereas I think previously they've probably treat, been treated a bit separately and the E being prioritised. But certainly now with the, you know, the, the big push to decarbonise business operations, I think that the S is probably coming to the fore um, and being seen as a key area of governance for businesses, particularly because of the factors we've just talked about. So um, socially conscious consumers, shareholder activism, so that's only going to continue. And a whole generation of employees, right, who want to work yeah. for organisations that are responsible, that share their ethical frameworks and their values. And there's a whole range of kind of human capital reasons why being a responsible business and having a good ESG strategy is really going to benefit organisations going forwards. It's interesting to see the level of regulation now moving as well. Like there's been a very big, strong market push and and often consumer-driven and investor-driven push to change behaviour across and to encourage business to be responsible across the environmental, social and governance kind of framework. But there's also this regulatory shift, isn't there? Yeah, there is. If we look, you know, domestically in Australia, we have APRA and ASIC, you know, warning companies that, and the ACCC, they'll be looking at businesses' you know, transition plans, climate transition plans. They'll be looking at greenwashing claims, so to make sure that businesses are actually doing what they say they will do and what they say they will commit to. We've got the SEC in the US now putting out proposed regulation around climate disclosures. And we've got in Europe, which is probably the furthest advance, we've got the, the green taxonomy, I suppose, which is looking how you allocate capital towards a more sustainable future at a particularly high level. You know, that's really around the, the E. And on the S side, we're also seeing a lot of regulation, right? Because we've got the Australian Modern Slavery Act, which is requiring reporting entities to actually look at the risks of modern slavery in their supply chains and their operations. And it uses the guidance to the Act, strongly uses the United Nations Guiding Principles on Business and Human Rights as a framework and, and applies that. But more importantly, what we're seeing in Europe is a shift not only uh, for modern slavery reporting and due diligence, but human rights due diligence. So organisations are increasingly being required. So in, in Germany and Norway, it's already mandatory. And the European Union has issued a directive to the effect that they're going to introduce human mandatory human rights due diligence. So this regulation, this idea that that standards that have been voluntary for responsible businesses 
are going to become mandatory is a real trend that we're seeing and organisations that want to get ahead of the trend and be prepared for the future need to be thinking about these things. Yeah, Phoebe, and I think as well for those who aren't positioning themselves to be um, keeping up with all the regulatory trends that we're seeing and we've just talked about, um, I think there is probably um, you know, a, a risk of litigation. We're seeing several categories of um, ESG-related claims emerging. So there's rights and duty-based claims, particularly against governments for lack of action on climate issues. But we're also seeing actions against major greenhouse gas emitters, um, particularly around representations that they make um, about their transition plans and goals. We're seeing challenges to project approvals associated with a significant increase in greenhouse gas emissions. And we're also seeing actions against companies, directors, advisors about the fulfilment of their fiduciary duties um, or the disclosures uh, that they make. Um, broadly, that's what we're talking about when we use the concept greenwashing. So I think this trend will only continue. So in terms of managing ESG and and working towards a future of responsible business and good ESG management and meeting the expectations of your of the regulators and of your investors and of your um, shareholders and your customers you know across the board there's there's quite a lot to be done isn't there in terms of just building the ESG into strategy uh, understanding properly the types of issues that come under this and managing them effectively and bringing in the appropriate expert advice where that's necessary because often ESG issues have sat in different parts across the business and have been dealt with in a very isolated and siloed way but bringing that all together integrating the assessment uh, and building the appropriate controls and uh, management mechanisms is going to be really an important role for organisations to do throughout the future. And I think that that's a big part of our podcast series is to help people think about some of these issues and the way they need to manage them going forwards. That's right, Phoebe. In this podcast series, I suppose what we're really hoping to do, and we hope that this is what you take away from it, is that we break down ESG. We provide some kind of 101 guidance of some of the key concepts explain current developments and some of the long-term trends we're seeing. We're going to deep dive into tricky problems, invite some subject matter experts to discuss legal and reputational issues and provide some examples of best practice to help guide you in your ESG program if you are a listener who is involved in your your, um, company's ESG program. So I suppose all that is probably a long way of saying what we really hope to do is just get you thinking about what ESG means for you um, if you're an individual listener or for your organisation if you're listening on behalf of, you know, an employer. Yeah, thanks, Kate. It's been really terrific having you on the podcast and looking forward to many more to come. You have been listening to Cause Essential ESG podcast and if you've enjoyed it, don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts so that you get notifications of future episodes. This podcast is for reference purposes only. It does not constitute legal or other advice and should not be relied upon as such. You should always obtain legal advice about your specific circumstances.